you are listening to the Boys in the 90s podcast. I am Nate. And I'm Bob. And before we get to introduce the audience to our introductory episode, Bob, what does this commercial mean to you? The Football Hall of Fame. The Pigskin Palace. The House of Helmets. The Shangri-La of Shin Pads. You all set, Mr. Reddit Worship? Yeah. Wait, there's a McDonald's. Well, Jerry, the Temple of Touchdowns awaits. Yeah, but so does 95 cent double cheeseburgers. Sizzling hot beef, beef, melted cheese. You know me and cheese. You love cheese. Right now, McDonald's famous original double cheeseburger and morning fresh sausage McMuffin with egg are only 95 cents each, but only for a limited time, so hurry. But they're not going anywhere. Are you kidding? They're made of bronze. <laughs> Let me tell you something. I'm a big fan, big fan of the sausage McMuffin with egg. As as a young lad in high school, as soon as I got my driver's license and could drive myself to school, this was my senior year. So we're talking 1999 here, kids. I stopped at McDonald's almost every morning for breakfast for my sausage and muffin with egg. And then, and then when Monopoly came around, well, got Ooh, yeah. crazy. I was winning like a sausage McMuffin every day. <laughs> so I was almost not paying for breakfast like every day. So I would, I'd roll up for my sausage muffin with egg, hash brown and large Coke and come in like a champ to my first period class with my, with my large Coke from McDonald's feeling like a badass. Oh yeah. But I was never, never a fan of the double cheeseburger. I much prefer the the original number two value meal, which is the two cheeseburgers, fries, uh, and a drink. You like the and separate? Take the, yeah, gotta have. It just feels like you get more. You get two cheeseburgers, right? Right, right. And then you put the fries on the burger, and it becomes a taste sensation not to be matched. Wow, that's yeah. So <laughs> at seventeen, at seventeen, McDonald's was awesome. At forty, <laughs> I rarely go. Right. Yeah, I, I I almost agree. I had the um, was it the value menu that had the McDouble on it for a while? And yes. if, if you had six bucks, I mean, you could be a fat kid in heaven because you just get a couple couple McDoubles. Uh, I don't know, a couple small fries and like maybe a small drink, and you were set. It's not you know, inflation has gone to hell since then, but it has. You know what else they don't have anymore? And I don't know if they had this backstory. I moved. Out of out of California, uh, my junior high school, and moved to Colorado. So on Sundays, in Colorado McDonald's, you could get the family super meal, which was ten cheeseburgers, <laughs> four small fries, four small drinks for ten bucks. Wow! And with a, a younger sibling and a single mom, that was. That was a big deal because that was a lot of McDonald's cheeseburgers and McDonald's cheeseburgers are amazing. Right. That's awesome. They should really, they should bring that back. Yeah. I, you know, Not you, that I, <laughs> you would think so. I mean, after post COVID it's like, what do you do? I mean, like none of the workers know what they're doing. Like, and, right. and, 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 you know, putting ketchup probably on the top of the burger for all they matter. I don't know, but and not that I would partake of this super value meal because, well, I, I don't go anymore my wife would never allow that <laughs> but it do my it would it, the fat kid my inner fat kid oh yeah his little heart it would it would sing a song for right. the the return of the mega family value <laughs> that's awesome all right so here we are 
Well, we are our two best friends. We've known each other for like 33 years and we're old grade school chums. And during our 10th to our 20th year alive, we were stuck in the middle of the 90s and we haven't been able to fully get over our romantic period that the decade left with us. And um, it was magic if you weren't there. Yeah. And I, I just, I've asked you before this podcast, I just want to reiterate for the podcast, uh, Bob, when you approached me with starting the podcast, what did you have going in mind? I mean, was it the endless movie quotes from the time period that were swirling in your mind? Was it the music? You know, did you have a specific demon in the 90s that needed to be let free in podcast form? What I had in mind, well, for context of where this brainchild came from, I work in education and with the current state of affairs at the time coming out of COVID a little bit with distance, distance learning. And, and I was stuck in an office and I had three computers in front of me and nobody in a Google meet. I, I started drifting and I found myself watching old nineties commercials and uh, a personal favorite pastime, which is watching videos of abandoned malls on YouTube and it just came to me, I, I have all these, these thoughts and these feelings about the 90s and all these things that I saw that I heard, and I wanted to scrape them out of my brain because I found that when I talked to people around me, nobody else remembered them. But I knew if I called you in the middle of the night and said, you know, Wooly Bear, you would know exactly what I was talking about, right? <laughs> Wooly Bear! Right. You know, if I called you and I just went pop, you would know exactly what I was talking about. Right. Favorite pet, chihuahua. Top. Favorite fashion, anything leather. Fresh. And I thought we should do this. I haven't seen anything quite like it in the podcast market, but I just a place where we could come and rehash old stuff, look at it with, and this pains me to say, forty-year-old eyes. Right. Not not 15 and 16 year old eyes where the magic's not quite there and, and look at it now is you know, Nate, Nate's in a little different situation. I'm a married dad of three and I like to showcase some of my favorite things from the nineties to my kids. And they look at me like I'm nuts or what was this? And I thought I should, we should just really have a place where we can talk about this and you know, I live, I still live in Southern California. Nathan lives in Ohio. This would also be a good place for us just to come and talk. Yep. Yeah, definitely. I looking on this podcast, I often remind myself there's like a Reddit thread that was talking about how kids that say that, oh, I'm a child of the nineties and stuff like that. They really are just talking about, they were born in the nineties and they didn't really understand what it was, but there's something about the nineties that was so damn cool that i mean it was kind of like being a kid of the 80s i felt you know because i was personally born in 1980 so i got to live through the 80s and and kind of get get a whiff of what exactly was going on in the in the 80s but i couldn't really fully exist in the world of you know it wasn't a coming of age movie for me in the 80s it was a coming of time for me in the 90s so um you know, it's kind of like a kid of the 60s. It's like, okay, you were born in 1969, but could you really say that you were like a 60s kid? Like, you know, just because you were born on the on the field of Woodstock during Jimi Hendrix, you know what I mean? Like, you can't, you can't, 
fully appreciate, I don't think, until later on in life what that stuff is. And then you know, are you a ninety are you a nineties kid if your parents conceived you at Woodstock ninety-four during <laughs> happiness and slavery? <laughs> right. I mean, were were you born with mud on your face like <laughs> like a lot of the uh, the kids in Woodstock ninety-four? Right. Or, were, were your parents making you when Billy Joe Armstrong was yelling, that guy's a punk rocker? Right, right. <laughs> I mean, there's just so many good memories that I, I guess we um, that we have of that time. And we're going to cover them throughout this entire series, basically from topic to topic. We're, we're mostly music, movie-oriented kind of guys. Um, I We try thinking about current events. And to me, I, I guess the current events kind of washed over me that yeah, they were around, but they didn't really affect me, I guess, as as tough as different sectors of like who was actually going through it, like the 92 riots. You know, I, I can't say that like I understood what they were and I understood what what gangster rap was like later on. But like it, it had a whole different context to me, you know, than from where I was. So, right. And to dovetail what Nate was talking about, I I'm I mean almost nine months younger than you, so I'm an August 1981 baby. Yeah. And reminiscing about the 80s is a is a wholly different subject than reminiscing about the 90s. With the 80s, we could talk about toys, we could talk about cartoons, and that's really it for me there. Well, they were still around, right? I mean, they they kind of like were a holdover, like kind of like how. 70s things were kind of like a holdover in the 80s it's like design and cars and things like they still had a a 70s whiff about them like whenever you got to the 80s like the designs and the color schemes and everything were were still kind of like trying to catch up but um but as far as like the 90s like it was like they took the 80s and kind of like warped it (laughs) like 90s kind of like took it and was like yeah, but we could also do this with it. And like, it just kind of threw in like some confetti and some loudness. And that's what the nineties kind of brought to the scheme of things. I, I, in my opinion, we turned up the volume and went, here's a nineties extreme. Exactly. Yeah. Everything was extreme. Everything was radical. Everything was just, you know, we had neon and angular shapes, baby. Right. I mean, like, you take any kind of culture skateboarding. I mean, in the eighties, it was probably like, just kind of like a dull thing until you get to about like 89 into like the nineties where freestyling and, and just the culture was in such a kind of free space. And, and we'll talk about it like technology wise and everything else. I mean, it just uh, all throughout everything just sort of blossomed and evolved, but um, TV be- became less about videos and they had TV shows. <laughs> right right but i i want to take a moment before we get into it just to talk about ourselves and just sort of introduce who we are like where we're coming from so anyway my name is nate i'm in my 40s i grew up in southern california with bob uh, where we both attended a school in san diego county together so you're getting like a california vibe to this whole 90s explosion here um i enjoy djing at home and i just bought a nintendo switch so i've been killing a lot of time on that and been looking on taking some more classes in a local community college because after all this time i've just been stuck in the 90s as well i can't really quite think about anything other than that so i need something to distract my mind and in case you ladies are wondering i'm forklift certified so you know my dance card is always full so i'm <laughs> yeah, go ahead go ahead I'm, uh, I'm well i'm 40 i just turned 40 last year and uh, 
Yeah, like Nate said, I met Nate when I was five, I think, at a preschool, and then we we separated and came back together, I think, around second grade. So, I mean, from seven to 20-something, I'm pretty sure we were always at each other's birthday parties, more me than him, because I don't really like birthday parties. So, uh, but... Uh, for context. So I lived in Southern California until I was 16. Then I moved to Denver for a spell, finished high school there, and then moved back to Southern California. I've actually moved back and forth there three times. But here I am at 40, back in Southern California. Some some of you may know it as the IE. That's where I live, or right now it's the Blast Furnace. I'm a, a married dad of three. I've got one son and two stepdaughters who have taken on as my own. And I, my wife is a, is a eighties, nineties kid too. However, she did not live the life that I did watching lots of TV and movies and music. She had a social life and played sports. So I'm bringing this idea to Nate because he's the only person I know I can talk about this stuff with and he'll actually get it. Yeah, totally. I, I, you know, that's, that's our biggest, um, you know, tie in life was each other and uh, our memories are, are sort of bound because we've had so much time together and we just joke about the exact same movies. I mean, I, I remember telephone calls with, with Bob when I got into sampling and, and just uh, recording TV shows, I would sit there in front of a TV and honestly with a TV on blast into a boom box, I would record the Simpsons over and over and just record clips after clips. And then I would keep him on the phone for like 30 minutes. So, <laughs> and just like play, you know, stuff that he's heard a million times, but he was such a trooper that I, I had to give it to him <laughs> that, that he, uh, he stuck it out with me. So. So I think I carried around 20 floppy disks of Simpson sound bites for many years. Right. Many years. Yeah. And it's it, to do nothing more than just listen to it over and over again. I mean, it, it yep. was just, you know, something that was just, just so funny to me, but, um, but yeah, uh, we just want to remind everybody that, you know, context is everything. We came from Southern California. Like our, our upbringing was, you know, I don't know. Mine was kind of like lower middle class. I can't really like place where I was, but it was enough for me to go to like a private school, basically that, you know, we were kind of in a different realm of, um, it was, I wouldn't say sheltered, but it's like, it's not like we were being exposed to gangster rap when we were like, I don't know, like 10 or something. It's not, you know, it wasn't in my home as much. I think, you know, Bob had a little bit looser kind of feel to, to what he was allowed to listen to and watch. But like, I was very much not allowed to listen to anything explicit or anything. So it was very verboten. And whenever I got my hands on stuff, I was like, Oh yes, I I definitely want to listen to everything that I'm not allowed to listen to. Like, and I think that that allowed us to actually go to like our first concert in 97 to, to go see Marilyn Manson. Right. The way back machine. Yes. January 28th, I think 1997 Marilyn Manson at the Bing Crosby hall. Yeah. L7 is the opener. L7. And, and what I found out was their, um, their makeup guy was screaming mad George George. And he was for some reason, a, an opening band. I think I want to say if my memory serves me right, they played like maybe five, seven songs, something around there. Like, yeah, they did. They did a short set, but they had lots of makeup. And yeah. 
lots of lots of makeup and if you remember they had a uh like on stage issue like where they couldn't open like one of their they had yes, like, a, they could, a, like a box they had like a chest or something that like they couldn't <laughs> open up and so we, we I, I was always like theorized about things like maybe like Marilyn manson had the something to do with you know locking the their their box or something but i don't i don't have anything you know to conclusively say that's what happened some nefarious backstage prank Right. But, um, but yeah, so I, I came up with, uh, honestly five words. I don't know if you have any five words that like kind of summarize what the nineties the went to you, but I just wanted to like, kind of say, I guess what mine were and then see if it kind of springboards anything in your memory. So the first one I came up with was definitely the internet. It was brand new. You know, we didn't have that before, you know, like the nineties, I would say like 94 ish kind of area. My second word that came up to me was neon because everything was like neon clothes, neon advertisements. They use the highlighter colors in just about everything. And I don't know, for some reason, neon really stuck out to me. Got to get those hyper colors. Exactly. Yeah. The hyper color shirts. Um, there were just these weird, crazy fashions that had neon exclusively just pop out to them. Thirdly, uh, grunge. You know, if you look at the culture back then, basically just everything moved into like a grunge kind of era where everything was like kind of rougher, you know. If you weren't from Seattle, you didn't have a record deal. Right, right. I mean, like the music especially, I mean, that was the driving force and like the culture behind it. And that's the funny thing. We we want to get into it later on, definitely with like the whole music um, topics in later episodes. But that really spoke a huge amount in the 90s for me um compact discs were my fourth thing that i wanted to bring up because we didn't have you know it was all cassettes up until a certain point and then all of a sudden the cd stores and everything started popping up um it was a huge thing i, I don't know exactly the history on it like if it started in like the late 80s i'm sure it probably did in some sectors I, actually I, I read a book on audio it's back when i was commuting really far they started pressing them in 82, I want to say. Oh, no kidding. About the mid-80s. Right. Real quick, though, since we're talking about this, first yeah. CD you ever bought with your own money? Oh, with my own money. It was own uh, money. Not the first one you got, the first one you bought with your own money. Mine was Stunt Stum- Double Pilot's Core. Ooh. Yeah. And I, I definitely, um, because I had I had some CDs that I got as a gift. I got Weird Al Yankovic's... Uh, uh, what is it? Alapalooza. Alapalooza with like the Jurassic Park uh, uh, yes. cover on it, which was interesting. You got it. You got it. And I don't know the context, but eventually I ended up with a copy of it because Jurassic Park is indeed frightening in the dark. <laughs> right. And then at the same time, I got um, I got things like what was it, Nickelodeon's or no, it was Brennan Stimpy. Um, oh, like some, yes, some Brennan Stimpy based like compact disc that had some songs about I don't know, happy, happy, like, joy, joy. Yeah, powdered toast man and stuff man. on it. I'm like, what? <laughs> like, <laughs> I mean, your that, grandmother that was, to suck eggs. Like, so that was the kind of like content that I was privy to, more of like the comedic, you know, like still being a kid side of things but i was like what 14 13 when i got that kind of stuff so oh i think oh, i want to say i remember getting so you say alapalooza and i i have this distinct memory now i got it my mom handed it to me in her car we were picking up my brother i have a younger brother he's 32 
Mm-hmm. He was born in 1990. But yeah, we were picking him up from kindergarten, first grade, and she handed it to me. And that's how I got Alapalooza. Was, but, that, uh, was that the first one you, you picked up? or No. Oh, God. So I got my first CD player was, you may remember this. I'm sure you were at my birthday when I got it. I got the first run Sony Discman. And this is like 92, I want to say, 92, 93. And if you looked at it funny or breathed at it funny, it would skip. I mean, you the thing had to be completely still. But I got a Discman and I got... Now, for context, this is before things came out in the news. I got a copy of Michael Jackson's Thriller and Off the Wall. Those are the first two two CDs I ever got. Now, the first one I bought with my own money was Soundgarden, Super Unknown. Wow. And if no one's ever heard it, it still slaps today, as the kids say. (laughs) Yeah. Something about Spoon Man just still holds (laughs) up. And it's weird because different people see that as different ways. Like I've, I've heard reviews of it and they're, they're like, yeah, spoon man. I don't, I don't know. It's, it may be like generational thing. That's just odd, but it, there are just tons of tracks on there that really do hold up. And he's, he's not lying. Oh, uh, the end track like suicide, um, mm-hmm. on the remastered they put out a few years ago. Yeah. The, just the, the production of it, the drums sound amazing fun story about super unknown though and i'm not going to use this person's last name but nate will know exactly who i'm talking about so a a young a young acquaintance of ours this is probably seventh grade i want to Mm -hmm. say seventh eighth grade joe joe g (laughs) right he knew i had it for some reason he gave me five bucks to borrow it (laughs) And I took the five bucks and I kept it in the insert, the liner notes. And that five bucks was in there for years. Nice. I don't know if I, I don't remember ever taking it out. And uh, yeah, that always, anytime I start listening to Super Unknown, I always think about Joe and borrowing it. I'm like, that's such a weird thing. So you just had like five bucks hanging out in the, in the inside? Like, yeah. For five, that reason? Five, five bucks in the liner notes, man. Yeah. Huh. Interesting. Yeah. He slid me a five. Sort There's of like a. Good, Sort of like a first dollar type of thing, like businesses do. Like, oh, this is our right. first dollar. <laughs> right. When we start talking about the early days of the internet, there's another fun story that involves Joe G and a floppy disk. Wow. I don't know if you remember it, but I do. I don't know. Yeah, um, we'll, we'll get into that, I guess. <laughs> just a just a tease. Yeah. It 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 involves. I don't want to put this. Um. A very low res, I mean, like low res scan of a, a magazine for gentlemen. <laughs> nice. And a certain celebrity that was in that magazine that this co-host was obsessed with. Oh, is this is this uh, Cindy Crawford? Yes. Okay. Cindy Crawford. Yeah, yeah. I, I do remember the um, when, when when you brought this over, <laughs> and, and we. Uh... We attempted to. I think it was at the time I had such a bad printer, and we we attempted oh, who to printed it out. It was a made, dot. We attempted it was a dot make, matrix. 
There's a dot matrix, black and white. We attempted to make a dot matrix print of a of a alluring photo of Cindy Crawford, and it took forever to print. And your think, mom came in and is like, "What's that noise?" I think I think as it was printing, Shit. like over and over again, my mom was like, uh, "What is going on?" And we were just like, "No, nothing." But it, it was funny because I don't think that. It even looked that great, and so so no, I was like, no. so I was like, I mean, oh, I'm not worried at all. Like what this looks like, the scan, the scan, and the scan wasn't that good. And I remember you put the floppy disk in and you open the file, and it's like, <laughs> and you're just waiting. You know, the first like two minutes were like just just get past like her because it started top and went to bottom. So <laughs> you're waiting like, okay, well, there's her nose. Like let's 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 see what we're all here for. It just took forever. Yeah, technology back then was just, you had to be very, very patient, but you were like, definitely, it was definitely worth the wait type of thing where you were just kind of sitting there and like, I wonder what's going to, what it's going to be like. And then you just hope that the file finished or, or whatever downloading and hope to God, no one walked in. Right. Yeah. Yeah. But uh, to, to finish the list so we can go on to, to the <laughs> to the next thing, like my fifth one was definitely mall goths. Like we, uh, we kind of were in that whole dark and gloomy kind of uh, subsection of the world where it's like, here we are in sunny Southern California, but like, I still wanted to be like all dark and brooding. And I think that just came with like, I don't know, my particular attitude was, was definitely towards that, that whole side of things. And I think naturally it just sort of picked up on goth music and goth wear. Um, Sadly, as a, as a sign of age. Right. It's still, it's still, it's still black and goth in my heart, but I have to dress like an adult now. <laughs> sure. So people may see me in colors other than black, and you know, I just, I have to remind them, you know, it's still black on the inside, man. It's still, <laughs> still dark and scary in my heart, but yeah, I can't, I can't be wearing lipstick, lips, ugh, lipstick and makeup to work. Yeah, I mean, I guess you could, but there'd be a whole different. Unless I want to, unless I want to work at hot, yeah. Unless I want to work at hot topic, or you know, live in live in my mom's basement, or be or be an entertainer of some sort, or you know, no offense to those who may be living in their parents' basement, though. Yeah, yeah, it's 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 interesting how the times have changed. It's like more about like face tattoos and, um, you know, that whole like SoundCloud type of rapper look and. Not so much like, I, I don't know how the goth scene is over there anymore, but I can tell you out here in the Midwest, it is not goth. It's basically like kids wearing black and then listening to like kind of screaming at each other. And MCR is making a big comeback out here. MCR? Oh, really? My, my chemical. Yeah, it's much more the, and this is something not to prattle on too much about what I, I do for a living, but I'm around teenagers a lot. Right not to sound weird, but I work in education. And when they asked me what I was like in high school, middle school, I always, you know, wore a lot of black makeup. Oh, so you were emo. No, I was not emo. I was goth. This is before emo. I never wore skinny jeans more because I couldn't fit into them. And I didn't listen to screamy. I'm yeah, I guess we, there is some screaming in Nine Nails, isn't there? The early but, stuff, but I, I can touch on that definitely. But yeah. right, right. So just it's a different, it's a, it's a different time now for for those of us that used to be the black clad group. Well, yeah. Anymore, it's it, it's all with with the 
with the uprising of the festival crowd and the way that I guess certain bands look at different um, influences, things are much more in like the core genre where everything is like basically like back in the day of like hardcore because it was there's no way of other describing um, that sort of rawness and just interfaceness, but they didn't really have like a, any general message. So now there's like metalcore and you know, indie core and all these other, you know, like you could put a core on the end of it. And it just means like a general genre of like, we're into general metal. So we're going to be metal core and just kind of, like be in your face and you know, whatever. I mean, it's a, it doesn't mean anything bad to me, but it's like, that's what they regard metal as now as sort of like a, a more broad, like brush stroke of what metal should be. <laughs> and so if you're like a metal head, I'm sure like, if you remember back in the days, it's like metal goes through many phases. And so if you're looking for iron maiden to come out of the new, I don't know, as I like dying uh, uh, CD, like you're not going to find it. It's it's going to be totally different styles. So the context of everything, again, in Molgoths, like coming back around to it, it's like a certain type of goth that, I mean, just exclusively went to like Hot Topic or Torrid or any of these like associated um stores that basically were like yeah you like Abercrombie and Fitch well we like Hot Topic and you know like there was this alternative you know backlash against you know basically what they considered modern society and how everything should look that's all the Mulgoth thing really was was introducing spikes and black lip liner and everything to kids that wanted something other than I don't know not all of us had washboard abs and yeah and even the washboard abs guys were doing it. I knew I knew more super skinny goths than I did, I guess, bigger Baddies. goths. And I, yeah, and, and I I can say that because I was one before sure. everyone gets offended. Sure, yeah. Um, but I mean, it, it it took all types to be you know depressed. So I mean, it was just it was about bringing the the darkness into the light of the mall, and that's all I remember about the mall goth thing. Um, so Bob, did you have like any five words or anything that like really stuck out to you about the nineties that you wanted to kind of say offhand? Just off the top of my head, I'll let everybody know. Nate's more of the planner. I'm more of the shoot from the hip. That's my style. First thing I thought of, Nate mentions neon. I think angles, right? Hmm. Everything had angles. There was lots of triangles and trapezoids, not trapper keepers, trapezoids. Right. Like old 90s Taco Bell. The colors were loud, but they had all these weird shapes everywhere. Yeah. Or like the if the Fox Kids Club logo had lots of angles. So there were lots of angular shapes being involved in advertising. My second one, and this actually popped in my mind before we started recording, I was scrolling through Twitter, was product tie-ins. I know that's not a word, but we'll just go with okay, tie-ins, right? Everything was blended together into advertising, right? When you went and saw, me and Nate went to see Batman Forever the day it came out, June 13th, I think, 1995. It was right, right after we graduated eighth grade. So you go see Batman Forever, and then you got to have the soundtrack, 
featuring Kiss from a Rose and Hold Me, Thrill Me, Kill Me, Kiss Me by YouTube. And then you got your, your Batman Forever Cornflakes and your Batman Forever movie cards and your Batman Forever toys. So you had all those product tie-ins and I love it, like the cereals. And, you know, I go down the cereal aisle because I'm a cereal junkie to this day. And what I don't see, which I guess is good because then I don't have to hear my kids ask for it is like all the cereal tie-ins right like you'd have like i, I love cereal like the teenage mutant ninja turtles cereal is still my favorite cereal of all time the sweet and checks pieces with the marshmallows that is the end all be all cereal for me right so you could go get like a batman cereal or you know the mario brothers cereal or all these these things that just tied in together i always thought it was great as an adult, I see how it's just, just warps your mind. <laughs> <laughs> and, and as a parent, you're looking at it going, see, they want me to buy all this stuff and they're going to get me to buy it because the kids are going to ask me for it. So tie-ins, tie-ins are huge. I love tie-ins. Uh, third word and comics mm. and anything with comics. Uh, Nate and I bought a lot of comics. I spent most of my, I would call an allowance. I worked at a, my grandparents' lawnmower shop. All my money, comics, comic cards, which are just coming back big time in value. Comics were huge for me. Um, and I'm going to pare Nate's choice down. Just the mall. Uh, yeah. We were, and you, you can agree or not agree, we were mall rats. Oh, yeah. I mean, we were mall rats to the hill, like, Nate's mom worked at the mall for a little while, but we would just get dropped off at the mall and wander around there forever. And as an adult, I, I would still like to be a mall rat, but malls and this, it breaks my heart. Really? Malls are a dying thing. Yeah. I, I would um, still subscribe to, I guess a, one of our uh, hometown uh, Facebook pages and they kind of go through and they were recently walking through the, uh, the, the, the North County fair was basically like where we used to go to. And um, what is it now? It's like the Westlake. They call it Westfield North County fair. Okay. So Westfield is in there. Um, So, but yeah, I mean, ever since it kind of started dying out, like the, the anchor stores, like your, your Sears and everything else, they, they sort of started dying out. And now it's kind of like a, whoever wants to really pay the space to, to be in the mall. It's very selective. Now, don't you guys have like a target in the, in the mall now? Something like that. Right. Uh, the town we're speaking of, I mean, we might as well just say it. Yeah. We're both from Escondido, right. California. So if right. there's anyone out there listening, that's our <laughs> age that may have lived in around the Escondido area, write us in. We'll of course give the socials and the emails at the end, Right, but Maybe you have a better memory out there, listener world, about what stores were in North County Fair throughout the years. Or if you worked at North County Fair and know all the stores, please chime in. Uh, But yeah, there's a three-story Target there now, which I believe used to be the Nordstrom's. Okay. And then where I'm at... So, like I said, I live in the IE, so I'm, I'm in the Temecula Marietta area. Temecula has a mall, and my wife's lived here most of her life. So she filled me in. It, that mall wasn't built till like, 2001. And just recently, 
the Disney store left because mm. Disney's Disney's shut down all the the Disney stores, mm. and there's just there's this dearth of that mall atmosphere that we grew up with around uh, the Sears got shut down. It's a it's a off road bro store now. Wow. And it's just these weird, like you were saying, it's these weird, who's going to pay the space rent. You've got these like fashion stores. I'm using that term loosely. Yeah. You know, it's not a Charlotte Russe. It's not a forever 21. It just like one of the places it's just called Q. Uh, okay. Right. It, it's just, it's weird. It's this hodgepodge of not chain stores. And to dovetail on this recently, we, we did a family outing. And we went to, I don't know if you remember going there or if you ever went with me. We went to the big Ontario Mills Mall. Okay. Do you ever remember going there? Uh, vaguely, maybe. It was, a, I mean, it's a huge mall. Right? Yeah. It's so big. They have, I mean, it's not Mall of America, but it's big for here. Right. And, you know, you're in neighborhoods. This place used to have a Virgin Megastore that crisscrossed both sides of this mall. I mean, it was huge. I spent a metric ton of money there nice. as a teenager and young 20 something um but it's gone and hmm. i think it's maybe like an h&m or something but that mall culture and just the malls being a a center place of something to do yeah as a teenager like it's kind of it's dying out like once the disney store left i really had no reason to take the kids there anymore because they just like going to the disney store yeah i remember in the 80s it was all about being the galleria in los angeles and so many movies that were experienced or like filmed in the galleria that like i think fast times was filmed there yeah um and different scenes there's just like this uh, you know omnipresent kind of feel to malls that it was sort of like opening up you know whatever possibilities you wanted to experience i mean like I mean, we were into comics and music and movies, you know, Suncoast video, like there's a bunch of stuff that just sort of like went the way of the dodo. And we're just sort of like, we're kind of like floundering now because I mean, there's nothing that really can take its place, uh, at least that I've found it's we have buying, buying stuff on Amazon is not going to the mall, man. No, as I mean, easy as it is. Yeah, I mean, you could find like some of the similar things, but you just and you can listen to all the music you want and everything else, but it doesn't compare to putting on the socks and shoes, going out and going, you know, to a, I don't know, a Sam Goody where it had like some, you know, listen to whatever you want. Wait, wait for it. Where? <laughs> the warehouse. <laughs> right. I mean, yeah, those different stores that were just so um, impactful, I guess, on both of our lives that you know we're just looking for something that's that's comparable now that you just can't find no because i have a distinct memory of just turning 18 driving to my freshman math class in college and knowing as soon as i left that class i'm booking out because i'm gonna go pick up the fragile that morning and just like gotta get there you you gotta buy it yep you know it buying something off iTunes like an album while convenient it doesn't have that same luster as going to Sam Goody or going to the warehouse or wherever Camelot music I think a lot of times it was about the find I mean because yeah. some, sometimes you weren't like looking for something explicitly and then all of a sudden something would would like snap into your memory like oh yeah um 
you know, Life's Night sold out by Nirvana. I totally forgot that this VHS existed and here it is in front of me at, at Sam Goody or whatever, you know, wherever you shopped. I mean, it was something like that, that kind of snapped into your memory and goes like, uh, you know, as you're flipping through CDs, like certain artwork would jump out at you and you would remember that, oh yeah, this is like an import version of whatever that you could never find otherwise and for some reason your store that you're in right now had a version of it and you had to get it right away it's sort of a bit of an impulse control (laughs) problem with me (laughs) i mean especially (laughs) when it came to to rare stuff you know and it's funny to look back on it now because it's like you know now it's just files now it's just videos on the internet it's funny because they do that now they 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 try to market things as being rare and like only you know 10 more hours until this deal is gone like on the internet and then you you just reload the page and it's still like the same 10 hours that you know there's no rarity anymore really it's just like drop ship stuff that you pay it and then they will eventually send it to you but um right it's just like i yeah rolling into oh I can't remember what the store was called. There was a, a records. I call them record stores, music store, whatever that out in the mall in Colorado when I was in high school and like dropping. And this was a lot of money at the time, 30 bucks, $30 reduce on an import copy of the first cure album, three imaginary boys. Right. And that was, that was a, I mean, A, they had it. B, like 30 bucks for a CD. Like, it's got to be printed in gold. And it's not. It's got like 12 songs on it. I think it's half an hour. It's not all that great. But as the collector and the completist, you you had to have it. Yeah. Right. And now you just jump onto iTunes and just click and it's it's done. You know, for some reason, whenever I was, um, out of my rock phase or whatever when i was still getting to know cds and the same purchase i bought um experimental jet set trash no star from um sonic youth i also picked up uh, boys for pele by by bob's notorious uh, uh, oh. fandom of, of tori amos i just and- like tori a lot everybody it's nothing <laughs> personal i just don't like her music for some reason I had heard her name in like a magazine at the time and people were giving her a lot of praise. And so it like stuck in my brain that like, maybe I should check this, this girl out and a music trader. So I, I picked up her disc and um, really got an affinity for her music. And it was like a personality that I just kind of gravitated towards something, something weird about it. And so from then on, like her imports and everything else that I picked up from her were like, I mean, countless. That if you look on dis, uh, Discogs, she's got just absolutely amount, like crazy amount of singles that had maybe like three songs on it, and half of my my disc binder was was comprised of her music. So I mean, in malls you could find stuff like this, but that's what's that made mall so cool is because of the rarity factor. It's the random factor. Like why did, uh, why did some random CD store in not even suburban Denver, I mean, way outside suburban Denver have the cures first album. Right. What's the story there? Yeah. But the, the last word and might be a little left field here. Last word I thought of just spitballing is Disney. You know, Disney for me, I mean, Nate knows this. I love Disneyland like more than most anything. It's my favorite place in the entire world, although it's changing because of the corporation. 
But mm-hmm. in the nineties, Disney was, it was huge. And I'm not even thinking, I'm not even a huge fan of Disney movies. I didn't see the Lion King in the theater. I didn't see the Lion King for a long time. Uh, I saw Aladdin in the theater and I saw, we went on fifth grade field trip to see beauty and the beast. Yeah. But I'm talking about the, the Disney of Sunday night, right? Wonderful world of Disney and the, and I'm still a sucker for these. I'll go back and watch them on YouTube is all the like TV park specials, mm-hmm. right? You got your Disneyland 35th anniversary, your Indiana Jones opening special, and the Disneyland Paris one. I love those shows. So Disney just runs through that decade and listening to things about like the Disney decade, because that was going to be the 90s, right? It was the Disney decade. And everything that was going on at the parks and in the company and this one day could probably be a show in of itself when we went in May of 98, which that is a, that is, that is a 20 something year odyssey of my life <laughs> as far as that day is concerned. But just the, for the first half, they could do no wrong. And then in the second half, they started doing wrong and things got weird. And it's so representative of the decade. Of, of the 90s, you know, Disney is so a part of it, whether you're into the parks, or you're into the movies, like it's some form of Disney, if you were growing up then, was in your life. The Disney Adventures magazine. Like, I remember getting those at the grocery store. Yeah. And that's just a huge, huge thing. So that those are my five. Yeah, that's nice. Uh, yeah, definitely Michael Eisner took over that, that whole... Um... I think he he officially became a CEO back in I'm looking up the the Wikipedia right quick. It it seems like somewhere around 84. It was like kind of yes. like the the change up, but um so throughout the 80s into the 90s, I mean, we're talking like in 88 they had Who Framed Roger Rabbit that really kind of spawned some ideas that were breathing new life and for me, I I definitely was an animation fan um, as far as whatever Disney came out with because that was some of the the only stuff I could consume was, you know, basically PG related I was maybe, what at in 91, I would have been 10 or 10 or 11 You would have been going on 12 and I would have just turned 10 Yeah and Aladdin followed that with Lion King following that. I mean, there, those were some prime times. And then, especially back in the day, um, we, as far as like the cable channels are concerned, and you know, there was no satellite television on, as it exists today, but there we had like the hardwired cable. And I remember the Disney Channel was a big deal. They would um, give people like I think it was like a week or two weeks like of a preview. Oh that. yeah, that was a very '90s thing. Is the is the weekend preview of HBO or two weeks of the Disney Channel? Yeah, HBO and Showtime and all these different channels were uh, what's the what's the term for them? Like a um, premium, premium, yeah, channels, yeah, pay channels. Yeah, that you basically had to pay extra on your on top of your service to get. It wasn't like a bundle like you see nowadays with like HBO mixed in with like a sports channel or this, that, and the other. You got like a basic, I don't know, like a hundred and twenty something channel. Um, I think back in the day it was only like sixty channels, and then right. it kind of went to like a higher number of channels as technology kind of changed. But um, 
and then you could add on these these premium channels like Showtime and Disney Channel and stuff as you wish. But Disney Channel was always so special because it was kind of a um, Bob brought up the Sunday night. Was what, what did they call it? The family wonder wonderful world of Disney. Yeah, wonderful world of Disney that featured some of their older, you know, Her- uh, Herbie the Love Bug and like Herbie parent, rides again. Yeah, parent parent trap and stuff like that. Yeah, dumpling gang. <laughs> yeah, it, it's like. These Disney produced movies that basically were out of the nineties. Um, they were more, you know, I don't know, seventies, sixties, seventies, yeah, sixties and seventies. Yeah, so it kind of breathed new life into these older movies and kind of gave it a context of like we still are Disney and we still are about the family. You know what I, I didn't? Yeah. Well, I was going on. You know, I didn't even touch on when it comes to to the nineties at Disney is the Disney afternoon. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Like, you jam at home because you got to catch Ducktales. You got to catch Chippendale. Yeah. And then, yeah. if you're like me, you were super into Tailspin. Right. Right. You know, because again, Rescue my Rangers. other my, Rescue Ranger, right, right? Which they just did a new movie about. Yeah. Right. Right. You know, so Chippendale's coming. They're coming back. Maybe, <laughs> right. Big time. Right. right. In some sort of crazy. I watched the trailer. I'm going to watch it at some point, but like the trailer is it's, it's all this meta stuff. And it's, it's like movies within movies referencing other movies, but to work it back into one of my other words, the tie-ins is you would watch DuckTales or you'd watch Tailspin and you'd go get your happy meal with the Tailspin toy or the DuckTales toy. And then if you were fortunate, uh, I didn't go to Disneyland a lot up until I could drive, but if you went to Disneyland, you could meet Baloo or mm-hmm. you could, you know, they opened, they opened Toontown in 92, I think 93, you know, Gadget's Go Coaster, which up until they shut it down just recently, they're going to redo it. Gadget's Go Coaster was still there. They still reference Chip and Dale there. Right. Yep. So the Disney afternoon was, I mean, it was huge. Yeah. They definitely spun that on, I think it was Fox network that, pick that yeah yeah because it was uncle murph right 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 For those of you that might have grown up in san diego hey kids this is uncle murph yeah uncle, uncle murph was the, the, uh... the... oh that shotgun tom kelly <laughs> and shotgun tom kelly with ksi who i once ran into at disneyland no joke <laughs> no joke saw shotgun tom kelly about fell over yeah what, what we were slow to understand as teenagers was that like uh, there's a lot of product tie-ins with that we're dealing with you know corporate um you know kind of sharing of of brands and things that i mean we're just all over the place to kind of like bias or uh, like sell us the the new um ideas you know and and i i remember explicitly i mean not to cut off the disney conversation but like just go back to uh mcdonald's with like the jurassic park uh meals with when they had like a super size still available i mean oh it's i just saw a thing too yeah like the i don't know if you remember this i had to see a picture of it to really register in my brain the batman forever superhero meal yeah which was like a super size fry a super size coke and it was like a burger like not on their standard burger bun but almost like on a sandwich roll and it had two patties on it wow yeah and then the bat like the batman forever glasses which i had a couple of them yeah those frosted into my into my 30s right yeah they were like so, frosted and kind of crystallized kind of yeah and they were they were heavy and they i mean they last 
and they were ornate and everything. Like they had like some kind of crazy, um, mold crazy detail they, on them. Yeah, I don't, I don't know how they would make that. But I mean, it's Get like any, for ninety nine cents. And it's funny because you know we're talking about the nineties because like all this stuff kind of changed after it's like post nine eleven. Everything just sort of like went the way of like, uh, should we really put more money into that? I don't know. Like it was always like a question mark after everything that people wanted to try. And I mean, I know that places came up with new um, intellectual property of their own and it wasn't necessarily like rehashed but there's a lot of 90s rehashing now that like was rehashed in the 90s from say the 60s or 70s or whatever that we really took in as a rehash but I, I definitely feel that over time we've seen rehashes of everything from Garfield to Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, you know, all these different properties that I mean you just mentioned Chip and Dales they just now released a new Jurassic Park that is i think is going by jurassic park like it's not no it's it's jurassic world but oh, oh okay they're tying it in because goldblum sam neill and laura dern are in this one so they're oh. bringing back the original three okay. from jurassic park into this one and it's i mean i mean we're at 29 years since jurassic park came out right I mean, it's just so funny because it's like these these ideas just sort of stay in the zeitgeist and like you're just waiting for them to kind of make their return. And I'm like, you know, there's a bit of like bastardization that comes with all that stuff throughout your life. And I think it's just funny now that we're sitting here at 40, like talking about the same things and they're still cranking them out for more money and totally makes sense. Whatever. <laughs> so it happened before it will all happen again. Yeah. Um I was kind of uh, interested in talking about maybe like a list of like 10 random things here that I have on my list. I'm curious what your, what your takes are on them. We're just going to talk randomly and in a ranting style about, I guess, these things. But first thing I had on my list was the late nineties swing music wear. And what I remember about that was that is a trend that passed me by. It's, it's odd because um, it hit me like in the late nineties, around the time of Ricky Martin <laughs> and and what's odd is that I think are we going to bring up your Ricky Martin hair uh did I have Ricky Martin hair <laughs> a little bit I guess I mean Ricky Martin was like a fashionable dude you shop at the fashionable mail <laughs> right right at the time there was a place <laughs> I don't know if it, I don't know if it's like the fashionable mail at the time there was that lounge place what was it called lounge uh, oh yes in the mall yes North county fair it was something lounge i i know of the place you're speaking of i cannot think of the name of it exactly but in i have a picture of it in my mind hey this is nate after i recorded this um i remember the name it was the limbo lounge in the north county fair limbo lounge okay back to your regular scheduled program but it, it had all the fashionable wear for once like in my in my mind fashion to me was huge ever since hot topic kind of made our brains like i I would say that was around what 92 93 94 ish where you know you had these alternative looks that you could actually adorn instead of just buying i don't know khaki cargo shorts and and whatever i was into wearing at the time I, i i was i was all over the map when i was younger with fashion i loved fashion i loved the gecko look <laughs> i loved um trying new things out i had sketchers <laughs> tnc surf shop maybe yeah tnc surf shop I, I actually didn't have tnc but uh other kids did i loved and 
wanted more no fear shirts and I wanted more of those brands that I never really tried before. And so I was always on the, the outskirts of like trying the newest stuff. But whenever this lounge place opened, it had like all this new kind of looks. I would say it was like 98, 99, even where this stuff kind of came out and, and I was already out of high school, but you could find some really cool looking pants and like kind of a weird looking shirt and stuff in the wild. That was the most important part was again, in the mall, in the wild, you would find this stuff and you'd be like, oh, it's in my size. Awesome. Let's grab that. And I want to try it out. And so this 90s swing music wear came into huge fashion back in the day where I had like polyester looking shirts. I had these crazy looking fabrics um, that looked like they were like wet and like they had like this wet sheen about them. Um, oh, I remember you had one. It was like, oh, I want to say it was like maroon. Yeah. Yeah. I had a maroon, a, like loud. And it was like shirt. shiny, but it wasn't, and it looked like snakeskin, but it wasn't snakeskin. Exactly. I, I was like, because I was looking at our favorite bands at the time, you know, Nine Inch Nails. Um, I don't know. Like we had already gotten out of the grunge era. And now this was like kind of like pushing towards the 2000s where there were like different materials being made for shirts. There were <laughs> the flame shirts were huge back then. Yes. Uh, <laughs> Thank you, Brian Setzer. Exactly. Yeah. That whole bowling shirt kind of look with the collar and this kind of stuff was, was making their way back into the public's view via music videos and whatever else was at the time, but definitely the music wear was back in full effect and even music swing dancing for some reason, like even had a return due to what mighty mighty bostones um well no, they, yeah there was the big scott thing because you had your real big fish you had your mighty mighty bostones and then yeah that that swing thing came back like flare like it shot up real high and real bright and then it was just gone you know because then because you had your your scars right and then all of a sudden it was big bad voodoo daddy and squirrel nut zippers and cherry pop and daddies and but they were they were gone i mean what was it like late 98 started seeing it and then by end of 99 it was gone yeah it was a flash in the pan because i'm looking at it right now if you look up swing revival on wikipedia gives credit to like 1989 even like tracing back that far yeah big bad voodoo daddy there's just these names that like made their their way around and like we had people in my high school, I guess maybe because it was such a, it wasn't a taboo type of thing to do, but the swing dancing was sort of like this weird acrobatic kind of like, like throw your girl in the air and like, you know, spin her around three times and then like, you know, throw her beneath your legs and throw her right back up. And it was just this totally more physicality that, you know, I could ever want to do. And to me, it, it just, I was not that guy. <laughs> I'm, a, I'm a, I'm a large dude. I can't, I can't, I can't, just, I can't just be like willy nilly throwing women into the, into the air and, and expecting to catch them and, you know, do all this stuff. But it's saying at the same time, the gap, this, this huge uh, casual wear place, the gap that's still around today. Um, they use yes, jump jive. just in one. Yeah. Jump jive and whale was used for a khaki swing, a khaki swing commercial back in 1998. So, uh, so it lasted. You know, you say that, and I can picture it. Right. I, I could see the commercial. Right. 
and it's just it, you know that that clean look to all their commercials was such a prevalent thing and um and that was just one of their commercials that they came out with was that swing music craze revival so uh, well i'll add this for context because nate is obviously the more fashionable of this pair <laughs> i i've had the same outfit since the 90s it's jeans and a band t-shirt and <laughs> I mean, in, in 1996, it was jeans and a Marilyn Manson shirt. And I just sent Nate a photo from my Disneyland honeymoon in January of this year. And I'm in jeans and a nine inch nail shirt. So for me, not much has changed. And I'm just keeping that 90s flame alive. Totally. Yeah. But uh, I would say back in the day, though, I mean, I, I think my my personal view on the fashion thing was that like, I was always looking at women's fashion as saying like, well, wow, they have like so many more accessories and choices, different color options. I mean, you go into like a, a Walmart or a Meyer or any of these kind of places out here. And it's like the same look to everything that is available for a dude. And maybe that's just a dude mentality. Maybe it's just my personal mentality, but I was always looking for something outside of that look. And then eventually I just ended up wearing the same thing anyway, every day to work. So I guess maybe that's what it is. It's just sort of like, you know, who cares <laughs> what fashion is like sort of feeling <laughs> in most of these places, but, but, you know, choices are, are fun for me, you know, at times and especially during, you know, my adolescent ages. So, and that leads me into the second thing I had in mind was the Jenko jeans. Cause I don't, I don't know if you've seen <laughs> <laughs> maybe bob isn't as privy to jenko jeans as as uh as i've seen because i was as the 90s went on i got more into like electronic music and started going to raves around 99 into like my 2000s and so i would see a prevalent use of these jenko jeans these huge parachute pants that that rivaled uh the parachute pants of the of the yesteryear with the harem pants the hammer pants here 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 was these giant parachute jeans that you know just flop around and it's funny because even them they're making return trying to make a return as well as gecko into the uh the world of branding like themselves and maybe they're making a little bit of fun about themselves or maybe they're trying to like i don't know uh reintroduce the idea of them existing alongside other brands but but yeah they're they're back out there doing their thing and i don't know if you've seen anybody with these on but i've seen a few people i was not privy to the jenko jeans in the 90s because i'm pretty sure if i would have had jenko jeans they would have just fit like normal pants <laughs> i was a bit larger in the 90s than i am now <clears throat> And I was always, as a, as a portly boy, I was always quite offended by people that wore jeans that were 10 sizes too big because they were getting jeans that I should be wearing. Those are supposed to be baggy pants! Baggy! Ooh, I've never had a pair of pants that fit this well in my life. And then I couldn't find jeans that fit me. Yeah. So I've, I've seen a little bit of the Jayco coming back, but not a ton. Yeah, I was a I was a husky boy myself. I would uh, I, I always remember that 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 size. Um, did they still have that? By the way, I don't know if they do. It's like like husky husky young men um, size. It's like for it, fat, like for fat de- kids. Depends on where you're buying at Walmart. I think they might have the husky tags still attached, but nowhere else. Okay. But yes, I had to get husky. <laughs> <laughs> sometimes i had to buy here's a 90s thing 
I had to buy a Husky size of Husky jeans. You know, I remember if you remember Huskies. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Well, uh, the Husky jeans themselves? No, no, no. Yeah, Husky jeans, the brand. Oh, I didn't I don't there, know. If... There was a brand of jeans named Huskies. Oh, okay. And then <laughs> you had to get them Husky sized. <laughs> okay. No, I, I remember getting like Levi's and that sort of thing with, you know, like a little bit larger size in like a Husky size. I knew of that loose, as, as loose existing. Yeah, in the, loose. In the seat. Right, right. <laughs> Relaxed. Relaxed. Yeah. <laughs> All these like kind of, uh, even back then, they were like sort of being sensitive about, you know, the way that things were labeled and um, that they were saying they couldn't just be outright and just say like, for your fat boys, like basically. <laughs> But yeah, Jenko jeans definitely. I mean, I remember them being on like rollerbladers a lot. Um, I think even maybe in one of these video games. Um, oh, like uh, Jet Set Radio. Jet maybe. Set Radio. Yeah, maybe they have like a, a Jenko jean type look to some of their 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 pants, but they definitely look ridiculous. But I could see if you were just like a free loose kind of wearing <laughs> kind of person, <laughs> maybe maybe like a little bit hippie, maybe a little bit like non caring that much about your your fashion or or you were a juggalo sure you could be a juggalo <laughs> you could be you could uh there's a lot of different weird subcultures that are probably into jenko jeans but that's you know it's the same thing as uh, mall goths i mean were they all that different who knows it's all up to you um i did have this the jurassic park return as being the third thing to talk about but you we we talked about it pretty in length. I mean, as far as, uh, but I mean, Jurassic Park in itself, when it first came out, I mean, that was huge. it was huge. Uh, director off the top of my head. Was that Spielberg? Steven Spielberg. Yeah. So the, the thing about it was the special effects were unseen until that time where you could actually have these gigantic dinosaurs walk around on screen Look and real, look, like that T Rex. The T Rex scene at night that that still holds up. Absolutely. I mean, and, and from what I know too, it's like they've tried time and time again to replicate those the look of a lot of these effects, and there's just nothing that really compares to some of those scenes in the original Jurassic Park. Um, I I did not go on to see any of the other Jurassic Parks, though. I don't know about your yourself oh i've seen them all have I've you seen really? them all okay. the, i've seen them all in this yeah i saw saw jurassic park uh the weekend it came out at the here you go edwards carousel six nice and i saw the lost world at the same edwards carousel six uh, i took my brother to see jurassic park three at the new edwards san marcus and i saw yeah i went to see jurassic world when it came out and then I saw Jurassic World Fallen Kingdom in the theater. And who knows, maybe next weekend I'll take the boy and we'll go see what's it called? Dominion. Hmm. Okay. Yeah. But no, I, I like the Jurassic Park movies. Lost World. I remember seeing I remember seeing Lost World in the theater and it being really cool because the T-Rex gets loose in San Diego and you're like, I live there. But, you know, we didn't really live there because we were like 30 miles away. And, right. you know, I didn't from where we lived driving five miles to the west. That was like a big deal because mm. we didn't get out of Escondido a lot. Yeah. So when you drive to San Marcos, it's like this is like a different, it's like a different country. Sure. Um, so 
Yeah, but seeing, yeah, like knowing that the dinosaurs in San Diego, I was like, that's really cool. That's where I live. Yeah, uh, the the push for dinosaurs, I, I don't know if it began before the 80s, but I definitely remember growing up where everything was dinosaurs, everything was like practical effects, trying to like make them replicated in like some animatronic way, um, you know, in museums and that sort of thing. And so when you saw these things in on screen, it was just, it blew me away. So it was pretty cool. Fun, fun 90s side note here. Hmm. Adam Jones from Tool worked at stan winston studios and did work on jurassic park yes yes that guy had his hand in everything yeah but yeah we're, we're huge tool fans i mean that's another thing the that, band people the band right right i mean <laughs> yeah i love hammers and wrenches boy <laughs> big big nothing fan like, <laughs> nothing like a good ratchet <laughs> You have the nineteen, yeah, the nineteen ninety six circular saws back then were like, <laughs> ma, yeah. No. Um, but to go on, we'll we'll uh, touch on some Starship Troopers here. So you were bringing up Starship Troopers before we we talked, and I uh, thought I'd throw that on the list. Um, right. So what I want to do, part of one of my ideas for the show, is something like, and it's a little derivative, but personal nineties what I think could consider be hot takes, Mm -hmm. right? So my, we'll just kick off one of my hot takes. I love Starship Troopers, okay? Some people think it's like a silly B-movie. It's actually got some sort of deep political fascist discourse to it, if you read between the lines. Again, the effects at the time, though, groundbreaking. Those huge bugs cutting people in half. Nothing else looked like it. It was great. But there is this cynicism and a cerbic take on governments and it's so buried underneath it that you have to watch it a few times. And I mean, everybody's favorite MPH is in that movie. You know, he's a great part. Starship Troopers gave us nineties heartthrob, Denise Richards, former Mrs. Charlie Sheen. Right. And along with, well, flamed out, didn't become his big nineties heartthrob Casper Van Diem. He kind of, disappeared into the wind but mm-hmm. starship troopers great flick if you've never seen it um, watch it a couple times it's a, it's a lot of fun but yeah there's there's you read between the lines a little bit make you think yeah i'm on the wikipedia right now directed by paul verhoeven um also known for i mean robocop basic RoboCop. instinct total recall yeah later on showgirl <laughs> yeah, yes which actually yes. was well, yeah, Basic Instinct and Showgirls. Then it went on to Starship Troopers. Then it, to round out the the two thousands, you did Hollow Man and um, a, a number of uh, things after that. <laughs> but but never quite, you know. I mean, there's definitely a an eighties, nineties, eighties, early nineties. That guy was he was yeah, hot. Yeah. But yeah, it was it was based after the novel of the same name uh, back in 1959. Um, There's a lot of talk of militarism, um, some fascism was nationalism, kind of based in it, uh, utopianism, um, a lot of isms, <laughs> a lot of <laughs> a lot of thoughts put into a, a context of some troopers fighting off some uh, giant giant bugs. bugs. Yeah, basically. Did you ever see it? Yeah. Yeah, we saw it a few times. Um, right now, the the meme right now is I'm doing my part, <laughs> and there's <laughs> that girl that's in the um, the recruitment video. Yeah, well, she's squashing the bugs. Yeah, yeah, yeah. and um, and it's it's a great little 
you know, gif that you probably have seen here and there, but that's, that's where that comes from. And I well, definitely and I brought it up before we started recording because it, you know, we were Googling on how to do a couple of things and it was always, would you like to know more? Right. <clears throat> well, that's how Starship Troopers came up. Oh, that's how it came up. Okay. I thought maybe, yeah. <laughs> maybe no, yeah. I just yeah, like some list of trivia. <laughs> no, I don't have a list of trivia on Starship Troopers. I mean, it's, it's just a interesting quasi B bug movie with, I mean, it's gory as all get out, which makes it fun. Right. You know, but then stay for the subtext though. And there's a co-ed uh, shower scene. So <laughs> yes, yes, there is. Yes, there is. Izzy was it the girl with the curly hair. Right, right. Yeah. yeah. yeah that so, was a big thing. There's a good time right there. And oh, it, it possibly cannot get any more 90s than this, which is the slow dance scene after the football game. And they're slow dancing to Fade Into You by Mazzy Star. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, if you could wrap the 90s in a bow, you know, you, you got to have your heart throbs dancing to Fade Into You. Yeah, stuff like Fade to You was such one of those uh, one-hit wonder-ish kind of um, songs. I mean, fans of Mazzy Star and um, I forgot her name. Oh, Hope, Hope Sandoval. Hope, so, oh, yeah, she was uh, involved with, well, mid-80s to 90s group, the Jesus of Mary Chain. She was involved with Jim Reed. Right, and yeah. She, du- she duets on a song with them called Sometimes Always. It's off their 93 album, Stoned and Dethroned, track three. Nice, nice pull. <laughs> See, even remember, and I was not Wikipediaing that anybody. That was all off the top of my head. That's why you're. That's why you, you know, <laughs> had this show, man. It's like it's it's just burning in you, where it's like you know, and that's that's the funny thing too is that like tracks, it's you know, anymore tracks don't mean anything because they're just digital, you know, releases. Even albums themselves are just sort of like lost, like they're just doing their own thing. Right. Um, and so you're lucky if you remember what track anything was after anything, any other thing, because you're, you sort your music, how you ever you want. So, or you just make a playlist and you cut out all the stuff you don't want to hear. Exactly. Yeah. So it's funny that, you know, stuff like that just sticks in our, in our minds, you know, after listening to albums so many times and good time with that. <laughs> um, but yeah, let's, uh, let's go on to our next thing. I have salute your shorts as the the, the 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 next random topic we'll talk about. It was a show that was created um, for Nickelodeon. It aired then um, back in 91. It lasted until only 92, which is odd to me because I thought it, it felt like a lot longer. But um, during the 90s, if, if you had Nickelodeon, if you had cable, there were just a certain amount of shows that really stuck out to me and um, definitely salute your shorts was one. They had just some of your bigger names on there. I mean, there are no big names on there, but Danny Cooksey was like a red kid that, that really, he even tried to make his own um, band at the time with his own single called, was it 18 or something like that? If you look it up, it's, it's hilarious because it's, it's unlike anything you've ever heard, but it's 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 almost like a silver chair kind of sound. Well, um, and let's not discount the fact that red-haired kid whose name you just said that I cannot remember right now, Danny Cooksey, is in yeah, Danny Cooksey is in one of the greatest movies from the '90s, if not one of the greatest movies of all time, which is Terminator 2: Judgment Day. That's right. Yeah, that's the friend. He is John Connor's friend. Right. He's got a sweet mullet. Yeah. And he he talks to 
Robert Patrick because he's have you seen this boy? And he's like, nah, man, I don't know. Yeah. But uh, funny you should bring up Salute Your Shorts, though. I remember hearing this not too long ago, just a couple months ago. Uh, Ugg, the head counselor guy. Yeah. Right. He passed away. Oh, no kidding. Yeah. Jeez. Uh, so a little bit of when we were when I was kicking around the idea and I was talking to Nathan, I said we should add some things in here about 90s and the news. Okay. Yeah. And that was, and I remember one of the impetuses for this show was, uh, you know, not to speak ill of the dead, but when Dustin Diamond from Saved by the Bell died, mm, yeah, you know, I was like, that's that's crazy, right? Screech died, right? You know, it seems like we could not eulogize, but talk about because uh, Saved by the Bell was was and is still huge for me. Zach and Kelly forever. Oh yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I mean. Just- Say by the bell was a great like after what after school type of like program where I again, watched it the most on Saturday mornings. Was it Saturday mornings? Okay. That so, I remember watching it Saturday mornings. The way I mean shows anymore, it's 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 hilarious because I mean I haven't had cable in huh, like fifteen years or something like where I've just like sort of cut it out like I'm a cable cutter myself and um just started watching things on YouTube and Netflix and streaming services. So, I mean, just the fact that things went from like such a scheduled time and day and, you know, ways to catch your program, like that doesn't even exist anymore. That, I mean, that's, it's, it's awesome, but it's at the same time, it loses its like rarity factor where you kind of like, Oh, I missed that. You know, I missed that episode. How horrible or, you know, and like whatever emotion that goes along with that. Right. Like my, my kids don't know what commercials are, right. They watch something and, and an ad pops up. And they're like, what is this? Or right. You know, they're watching some tween show that is just God awful and you can pause it. Right. But when, you know, we're in the nineties and we're, we're kids, if you're watching Chippendales, no, you waited to go to the bathroom to the commercial break and you ran. Yeah you did your thing and then you ran back because you couldn't pause it. You know, you're maybe you're recording it on a VCR, but you're more than likely not. It's like a bit of an intermission type of thing. Right. And now you can, you know, I'll watch old episodes of Saved by the Bell. I'll be like, pause, get up, unpause. And it's life in the space age. Right. Now, I mean, Saved by the Bell was interesting because it, it was originally aired, um, with like a younger cast of themselves, right? Like they, yes. they were, they were basically, you know, they were in eighth grade. Yeah. They were in eighth grade. And then, but the, the one that really took off was the one that when they were in high school. Right. Well, the first season, the main focus is, and the show's original title was good morning, miss bliss. And the, that was, she was the main focus of the first season was miss bliss played by Haley Mills, most famous for, the original Disney parent trap. Again, I'm not wikipedia this. This is all off the top of my head. Not to sound like I'm self-important. No, no. But this is this is why we're here. So I can just talk about this. So I don't have to think about it all the time. <laughs> and so that she was the real focus. And it was, but Zach, Mark Paul Gossel was on it. Dustin Diamond was on it. Lark Voorhees was on it. But then he had this other friend who I can't think of his name right now. So you can go ahead and shout to whatever you're listening to that I don't know what I'm talking about. Mm-hmm. But so he had this other friend. And then after that first season, they disappear. They go to high school and Slater shows up and Jesse Spano shows up. And 
Kelly freaking Kapowski. Mm-hmm. And then, but Mr. Belding was on the first season. It was much, it was much ser- more serious, not like after school special serious, but it was, it was like a, the- it was like a knowledgeable, like we've already gone through, you know, half of our education. This is high yeah, school. Like it was much more. And the first season was much more like teachery point of view. Right. Yeah. And I think she had, she had like a inner monologue that would come over. Like they'd show her sitting at her desk and, you know, she had an inner monologue. Yeah, it was it was most mostly based on Miss um, Bliss, uh, from what I'm reading, and um, it's funny because Sandy Duncan was originally considered for the titular role, um, and oh, I, 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 I think Haley Mills was available. <laughs> right, it's like they're just pulling all these names from like back in the day. I mean, she was known for uh, Midnight Cowboy and like like some different other names or, or different films and stuff. But I I remember her name in the Zeitgeist, but not that closely yeah. sandy duncan um and it's funny because they uh they went on to write a, uh write some episodes and cast feature stars jonathan brandis <laughs> brian austin brian austin green, brian austin green? And, and jaleel white uh, who uh Ooh, urkel tv's urkel and tv sonic the headshot right so those those names got you know kind of introduced real early on with saved by the bell and um and then later on we, of course we Leo know Remini. marty Mario Lopez from freaking <laughs> every, every uh, what like he's like a host of just about every random news show that like appeared in like the two thousands or so. And one of my my personal celebrity crushes, Leah Remini. Oh yeah, me me too. Yeah. Yeah. No, she's yeah. 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 She. Whenever. What was her her? Uh, she was. She was the she like, daughter of the guy that owned the beach club. That they worked at during the summer. Yeah, she had like a, a Italian last name. Um, oh, she's very Italian. And and Stacy Carosi was her name. On right. Super okay. Bell. Yeah, Stacy Carosi. Because it was yeah. Mister Carosi. Right. They he ran like the beach an, house. Yeah, he bore an odd resemblance to their driver's ed instructor, Mister Tuttle, but it was not the same actor. Nice. We can't cut out Tiffany Amber Theison for a second. I mean, that's basically like one of the heartthrobs that like existed pre Britney Spears. But but back in the day, I mean, when you're limited to shows without the Internet and you have your specific interests in mind. And that's that's that was definitely one of those that just stood out. Let's go back to like salute your shorts a little bit. I mean, I don't know if you had, I guess, the same experience, but there was also a hard throwout for me on that show. Was that uh, that brunette girl that was on there? Was it Heidi Lucas? So Heidi uh, Lucas played. Um, I mean, I guess I don't know. She was one of these girls that she was cute, and she reminds me of like a Noxima girl that like kind of you would see like on <laughs> you know uh, random commercials and before Felicity. What's her name? Carrie Russell. Yes. Okay, so Carrie Russell played like basically just one of these Noxima girls that came out and like was like, here, my skin's all fresh and clean from Noxima ads. And mm-hmm. and Heidi Lucas reminds me of a girl that was in one. I don't know if she was in a Noxima ad, but in any She's case, got that look. she has that look and it's it was very much like um, one of those like girls that you would like kind of have a crush on in the show like like oh i could see why donkey lips is going for for, for this girl so uh, there there's some lips. there's some funny definitely some funny um stereotypes or whatever of characters in that show and i don't know i've just it was something that stood out to me in my my youth 
But okay, to go on to the next thing, uh, hit sticks. We, I think we both had this device. Yes, I did. And essentially, it is a wired um, coil around like a metal coil that basically, when you struck it, it would send a vibration to the speaker as if it were hitting like a snare drum. So, yeah, like the worst snare drum, not like the Metallica St. Anger snare drum, but a really bad sounding snare drum. Right. It basically just had like a tuck, tuck, tuck. Like it just yep. it sounded like just it was like a. Right. Now, what's funny about these is that I'm looking at it now. It's actually more of like an 80s toy, but yeah. because, because of the revival stuff as it is, they kind of put stuff back into motion and, and like toy stores everywhere. Like they would kind of like revamp and um, revitalize the brand. And that's how we got a hold of ours. At least I did in the 90s because um, I'm seeing commercials here for like 1987. They were, you know putting them out even back then so yeah yeah it, I, it's one of those fun for five minutes the commercial makes it look really cool right then right. you get them home and you're just banging them on stuff no one wants to hear you banging <laughs> them on stuff right and it's just making that noise and then you're done it's not like you can't play a beat with them you know it wasn't like a preloaded amp where you could like there's a metronome or something and you try and play along to a song. You don't know what the hell you're doing. Right. Just, yeah. it, like, does, it doesn't sound thing. like, it doesn't sound like much of anything. If you've heard, um, I don't know. It's, it's not even as good sounding as say something like from Kraftwerk, where they, they took something, you know, much more wired and put it through, you know, synthesis and made it sound, you know, really kind of cool. But um, hit sticks, that's what it tried to make you believe it sounded like. And it didn't sound anything like that. It just sounded like no. a, a pot and pan or something. But yeah, um or worse. Yeah, I mean probably worse. It just sound like like a weird but at least you could control the volume a little bit. <laughs> yes you could, which yeah. is good for your parents. And as a as a parent now I respect being able to control the volume of things. Yeah. But you're still like beating on stuff and it was probably annoying for parents too. Yeah. Um I chose the Lamborghini Countach to talk a little bit about because I'm sure that these are much more like an eighties thing. Like when they first came out, I'm, I would see Lamborghinis start to take off in the nineties for myself. Um, I remember seeing one. I saw a Countach in person in the eighties and of all places it was, and I don't, it sticks in my memory. Like it was yesterday. I saw it getting off the off ramp to go to North County fair. Huh. And I was like, wow. Right. As far as car, I mean, Lamborghinis in the 90s, you're, you're venturing more into the Diablo territory. Okay. Uh, I guess because I'd be the resident car guy on the show. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, so like the Countach, you know, kind of rolled into the 90s, but in the 90s, you're getting into like the Diablos. But no, the Countach was, and Nate put a, a note on our little Word document, you know, the, some of you may remember the justification for a higher education poster with, you know, your Porsches and your Ferraris. And if you went to college, that's what you're going to get because you're going to get this house on a hill on a beach and you, this is going to be your garage, which I could tell you was a lie. <laughs> well, that, well, any, anymore, it's like on Grand Theft Auto uh, 5. I mean, people are just making like their garages look exactly like that poster. They're just yeah. you know, like basically souping up you know, sports cars. And some of those even look like older sports cars, which is kind of funny right. about their design. 
you know, as, as someone who has two college degrees and drives a mid-sized SUV, <laughs> uh, there is not one of those parked in my driveway. <laughs> yeah. Reality is, is far <laughs> away from um, like what, what they sell you on, like in the early, early ages. Go, going least... to college to get that in your garage is the same mind warp that I had when I saw Saved by the Bell thinking that's what high school is going to be like. Right. Yeah. And it is so not true. Well, unless you're like absolutely obsessive about what you need in your life. And then you're like, I guess I really don't need that. Or, you know what I mean? There's some like sort of justification in your mind that allows you to kind of like be like, eh, it is what it is. But that's maybe my personal, you know, look at things, but maybe that just helps me sleep at night. I don't know. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Uh, whatever helps you that's all of us but yeah the definitely the kuntosh for me like kind of spelled um i i forget what was used in dumb and dumber was it the kuntosh or the diablo because or maybe it was a ferrari because he pulls up alongside like in his fantasy life um we're talking about dumb and dumber the the movie with jim carrey and um you know, if, if Mrs. Bob was here, she would probably know. But here, I just did a quick Google search. That is, it's a red Lamborghini Diablo. It is Lamborghini Diablo. Okay. Yeah, it is a Lamborghini Diablo. Okay. So, yeah, there's there's definitely, you know, those little things that stick out in your mind. No, I just had a random memory. I had a chance to get in a Countach at one point in my life. Nice. And I can tell you, it is the most uncomfortable <laughs> thing to get in and out of. I thought I was going to pull a muscle or, and I was in my twenties, just the way you have to angle your, and you know, I was, was always a bigger kid then sure. but the way you got to like angle yourself and get into it. I'm pretty sure I had a cramp just trying to get in and out of it. And it's, it's cool. You can't see anything out of the windows. You can't see anything out of the back window. Wow. You know, it's, it's not the thing to drive every day, but does it look cool in your garage? Yeah. There's a huge part of me that still wants a red Porsche 944 because, and this isn't nineties, this is eighties, but because Jake Ryan drove one in 16 candles. Yeah. See, there you go. Yeah. And that that sticks in my mind. And what was that one um, where the guy, you owned a a three or two eighty Z two eighty Z X. And what was that movie we were watching when, there was some jock that showed up in one of them. <laughs> oh, Fast Times Ridgemont High. Yeah, yeah, okay. Yeah, the the resident movie asshole drove right, right. two eighty CX. Right. So I mean, it's all it's all like kind of locked. He worked in a... at oh Stereo City. He did the the current yeah the character did stereo yes think it was Stereo City yeah he takes Jennifer Jason Lee out on a date yes yes that's awesome. So it's like, it, it's weird because like those little names and brands and stuff, I, I don't know. That's probably not why you wanted the, the 280ZX, but no. Yeah. No. I'm just saying that like, that it's just funny how some of those things kind of come around full circle. Yeah. Um, getting out of the car talk. Let's just talk about the name of the, of the podcast. I mean, boys in the nineties came, I mean, for me, it came from boys in the hood, the movie. Uh, thoughts on that real quick while I bring it up or. Oh, boys in the hood. You know, uh, not to not to get mildly sentimental or, or touchy feely, 
because yeah. that's not what I that's I don't think that's what the show's going for. But there's a line in the beginning of that movie that has stuck out to me since the first time I saw it. It's probably more relevant to me now than ever. What is what does Lawrence Fishburne say? Well, remember this. Any fool with a dick can make a baby, but only a real man can raise his children. Right, yeah, yeah. And I, that, more than anything from that movie, you know, uh, Cuba Gooding Jr. is great in that flick. Uh, when Morris Chestnut dies, that's brutal. Sure, yeah. That is that is heartbreaking. I mean, that was, that was Ice Cube's first movie, right? Yeah, that is his, his, that is his debut as Doughboy. Yeah, no, it's a, it's a great flick. Yeah. I think I saw it on HBO a few years after it'd been out. Right. But no, it's, it's a great flick, but that line from Lawrence Fishburne's always stuck out to me. And then sure. when Morris Chestnut's character gets killed. That was because he was, he was the one that was going to get out. Yeah. Morris Chestnut playing Ricky. No. That, yeah. That's what I thought his name was, but I didn't want to say it. Be wrong. Yeah. Ice Cube came out and so it was like, Ricky. Yeah. It's, yeah. It's all slow-mo. It's been, uh, it's been sampled in a, a lot of gangster rap that I listened to. And and the, and I even the game uh, made a song called Ricky that just uses that sample over and over just for whatever reason. I think it was okay. just the the reference point of it all. Right, I'm sure. Yeah, but yeah, 90, 1991 coming of age drama film from the hood, <laughs> and uh, I think for us being in Southern California, we saw a lot of movies coming out of L.A. about L.A. about this one's about Inglewood and. We, you know, even though we didn't live in South Central Los Angeles, it's it still spoke to us, and it still felt like we were right there alongside these guys in a way. I mean, maybe it was just the fact that so much of that particular content was being like more normalized. Yeah. Um, up until that point, I mean, we had maybe like breakdancing movies and stuff like that, where. You know, Are you the, talking about Breaking Two, Electric Boogaloo? <laughs> yeah, I mean, there's movies just like that that were introduced in like the '80s, but like you didn't didn't really have like the grittiness until we saw stuff by, boy, um, Spike Lee. Spike Lee. So Spike Lee's movies really brought more like the grittiness, more like a realness and rawness, where it just kind of showed their day to day lives. And one of those, I guess, was would be you know sort of a Boys in the Hood sort of story where you know just a bunch of friends kicking it on the stoop just like not 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 really doing much with their lives but like just definitely hanging out and getting a feeling for that before you've seen like friday or whatever it's that it's that portrait of everyday life in time yeah like just like days to confused is a day in the life of high school kids in 1976 or seven right you know fast times at richmond high is is a period of time in these kids lives it's it's one of those kind of day in the life this is this is their reality yeah but um i don't know is there anything else on the top of your head you want to throw in there no i i think we've gone yeah it's a good introduction a little bit about us and some topics we'll cover and some things just spitballing on definitely but i think upcoming we want to do some like commentaries over some YouTube commercial blocks and do some more hot takes. Cause I've got one about Metallica's black album that people more than likely won't agree with. <laughs> and my other hot take would also be, you know, I, I will staunchly defend most nineties Metallica to anybody. And just, uh, I know we're, I know we're going to have, and this is probably going to be a two parter and 
I think this is something that's both near and dear for to me and Nate is we want to do like a series of episodes of our love, affection, adoration of, of Nine Inch Nails. Yep. Because that was a huge and certain point still is a big part of the cultural life of us. We've, we've stuck by Nine Inch Nails as like a go-to since... I don't know the downward spiral for me, but pretty hate machine. Definitely. Oh yeah. No, I mean, I mean, I remember seeing pretty hate machine on 120 minutes in like 1991, 92. And then right. seeing, seeing the wish video and what the hell is this? You're right. And yeah. Also, it's, it's, it's one of those like uh, things that just, it, and we don't, uh, we are talking about doing some music video commentaries. Yeah. We, we want to do like, I mean, I would do a movie commentary, honestly, if we had like. Oh yeah, time, no, totally. Was, we 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 have just so many things up in our brains that we need to like <laughs> kind of kind just of carve out, carve out, and what means something to us. So, if it means right. anything to you guys, like uh, you know, like and appreciate us. We have our socials. Um, I don't have them right in front of me. Do you have a? I do. So, if you want to find us on Twitter, because I love Twitter, we are at boys with a Z capital N, the 90s pod. That's Twitter. Our Gmail, if you want to write in, is boys, B-O-Y-Z-N-I-N, the 90s at gmail.com. Our Instagram is boys, B-O-Y-Z-N-I-N, the 90s pod. I'll be adding things. I'm going to put something up there, a little snapshot of us recording this introductory episode whether or not we have a Facebook will remain to be seen. Yeah, it's a, it's definitely a work in the progress is our first podcast. And we just want to like make sure that we get everything covered as much as we can. If you have any questions or, or things that you want to throw in to us, re- reply to any of us uh, out there in the, uh, on the Twitter verse or the IG verse or wherever, whatever verse you're on. Whatever verse you happen to be in, or you, one of those old-fashioned people like me who used to write in a podcast and would use email. Yeah, I, I wish we had like a, a snail mail that I could just like tell everybody to write <laughs> us out like, you know. Oh, we should. We could get a P.O. box and people could send us letters and make it real 90s. So Send a self-addressed stamped envelope to... Exactly. <laughs> to, uh, yeah, yeah, no, I remember those days too. But that's definitely a... a uh, topic for later discussion i think we're good on talking about it today we are boys in the 90s see you down in arizona bay <laughs>